Welcome to the Daycast. My name is Hayden. This is the show for men who want to grow. Today's episode is a little bit different in that I have an interview, an interview I should say rather, from 2017 I conducted with a lady named Dr. Edith Egar. Now, Edie, as she's more commonly known, wrote her first book, The Choice, and it was an absolute sensational read. That was 2017 for me, transformative. Everyone that I've shared, gifted, and recommended this book to has walked away with a very similar feeling of rawness and seeing the horrors that Edie was able to get herself through. She is a Holocaust survivor and is sharing her story openly honestly. She's also just released a new book called The Gift, which you can also check out. And I really wanted to re-upload this episode of the podcast. I took down my other show after many years of running it, but I wanted to re-upload this episode because it's just too valuable to have inside of the archives and not share with you as my loyal listener and guest. So I hope you enjoy Check out Edie's stuff. She's been on, since we actually did this interview, uh, she's been on Oprah two or three times and a whole bunch of others, hit different bestseller lists, etc. And uh, yeah, super grateful still to be able to have spoken to Edie. Let me know your think on social medias at Hayden Wright's stuff on Instagram, or you'll also find me on the Facebooks. Enjoy. Edie, thank you so much for joining us. I cannot believe when I, when I first sent the email, I was, you know, hopeful. Uh, I read the book, The Choice, unbelievable read, and everyone listening should pick it up. Honestly, it was um, transformative in 2017 for me. And there's just so many highlights within that book. And I thought, imagine, I mean, there's a part in your book, Edie, which I'm sure we'll talk about, um, which was around, you know, why, why can't I, or why, couldn't, why can't I do this? And I've had that same attitude um, for you know, for the last half a decade around, you know, why can't I? And so I sent this email to the team and Katie got back to me. Awesome. And now here we're here now. So incredible opportunity to be able to, to speak. Well, what would you like to know from me for you? Uh, you know, because uh, uh, it took me 90 years. It doesn't have to take you 90 years. You have to sit down every day and whatever comes to you, just free associate and then just put it down so you can have something there to pick and choose as to um, how you can find some continuity that the reader can uh, truly find it very useful. And I am very grateful that I am able to have my children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren have my book in their library. I think that's the best thing I can do to uh, let them know who, who a survivor can be and mm. never choosing to be a victim mm. of anything or anyone at any time. What any was the, I mean, what was the process like for you to create the book? How long had you been thinking of writing a book for? How long? Yeah. Had you been thinking about writing it? Oh, a lifetime. I, I started many times. I actually started to write a recipe because uh, I am a foodie. So I started to write um, appetizers and that would be the childhood. And then, you know, the meal and then the dessert. And well, that didn't, uh, that didn't go too far either. But I started many times and 
And then I had this tremendous urge, a feeling in me that uh, it becomes a have to, not the want to, but the have to. What was that switch? The switch for me came from the inside. It came from my intuitive uh, Hungarian sixth sense, <laughs> mm. that uh, the spiritual side of me, mm. not, you know, not just the body and the mind, but the third dimension, the spiritual dimension. And I mean spirit that, that is born when you are, that is there when you're born and it's going to be with you when you die. The, the spirit never dies. Hmm. And hmm. where else have you felt that same urge, that same have to, as opposed to want to, uh, in other parts of your life? Uh, in Auschwitz, I was, I was uh, creating a world inside me that uh, even though I was told every day, I'm never going to get out of here alive, I did not allow them ever to murder my spirit that that part mm. that part that i i discovered auschwitz was about discovery mm. not just not recovery but discovery i discovered my inner inner strength that no one could touch so auschwitz was really a savior for me in november i was in a hospital i had a very bad um case of uh, uh, I had a surgery that I almost died. And then uh, they put something in my mouth uh, and I wasn't able to communicate. And the doctor told me he's going to take it out tomorrow. And when tomorrow came, I said, I have to wait another day because I just want to be sure. And I didn't know whether I did have another day because I, I used up everything I thought. And then I said to myself, I did it in Auschwitz. I can do it here. <laughs> Auschwitz was a savior. Everything in life happens, I think, for our greater good. And there is a gift in it. And I wouldn't have it any other way because Auschwitz is who I am today and what I do today. I, I call myself a guide. I guide people from darkness to light, from prison to freedom. And, and the biggest freedom, it comes from within. Mm. The biggest prison is created in our own mind. Mm. And the key is in your pocket. So I'm, I turn you on to you to get to know yourself, know thyself. Socrates said, I think an unexamined life is not worth living. I think that's a very brilliant way to say, to really think about your thinking. Mm. And pay attention what you're paying attention to, because any behavior you're paying attention to, you reinforce that behavior. So I want to think about love and joy. I don't want to think about fear and, and hate, and I, uh, I protect myself, actually, from the people who don't have anything good to say about anyone at any time. I am, I am a, a big believer of hope. Mm. 
What's your process for dealing with fear? I think when you get up in the morning and you look in a mirror, you can just say to yourself, I love you and I honor you. I think it begins with self-love, which is self-care, which mm. is not narcissistic. Mm. Love yourself. It's fine. Yeah. If, if you Are know, you married? Am I, I'm not married, no. No. I'm, I'm available, Eddie, if, <laughs> if you're interested. But um, if someone listening, I mean, that process for you has taken, to be able to look in the mirror, um, you know, from their book, it's, it, it, it took quite a while. So, um, you know, having that sort of strength is admirable. How has, but obviously it's taken a lot of hard work as well. So how has your strength grown since, since Auschwitz and since, you know, the times when you were younger? So over the years that you've, you've been able to, you've been free in the mind and, and physically as well. How has that, that courage and that bravery and confidence and everything that you now are and that love and the joy in your life, how has that developed over the years? I think there was a part of me that I ran away from. And when I began to work with post-traumatic stress disorder with Vietnam veterans, I had two paraplegics with the same symptomatology and same diagnosis, same prognosis. And one of them would just really uh, complain about uh, the country and God and was very much against, against, against. And the other one said to me, you know, Doc, I'm sitting in a wheelchair and God gave me a second chance in life and I can see the children's eyes closer. And there I was with a white coat, Dr. Eager, Department of Psychiatry, and I didn't realize that I had a 16-year-old in me that I ran away from and I could not take my patients further than I have gone myself. So I decided to go back to Auschwitz. And that was, uh, that was really, truly uh, what, uh, uh, what helped me to not run away from the past anymore and to find the part in me that I was, uh, I was trying to forget and run away from. And this is the work I do now, that I take your little hand and we go and revisit the places where you've been and, and see that many times you may have felt that you wanted to die, but you didn't. And I became very suicidal after the war when I was in a hospital because I had nothing to get up for and I was very ill and I really wanted to die. And I think God told me that if I die, I'm gonna be a coward. But if I live, I would not be against anything. I would be for something. Hmm. So I am for life and I'm for love and I'm for uniting us rather than separating us, that I can be I and you can be you. But together, hopefully, we can have a human family. That's my goal, to unite people. 
and empower each other with mm. our differences. And so it was, you were, you were, in your words, you know, running from this problem for, um, you know, years, 16 years. Um, I mean, that would have been, that would have been amazing to, to, to truly go back there and, and experience, experience that transformation. I mean, you would have, did you walk into that experience with the intention to, to fully heal or you were just giving that a shot and thought, I've got to try something? I'm not fully healed. I think I'm still in a process. I'm still, I'm still climbing the mountain. I think life is about that. You yeah. climb and you sleep and you climb and you sleep, but you never stop climbing. You mentioned that you, when you were suicidal after this had happened, you were in hospital, you were very sick, that you wanted to die, but God helped pull you through. So, but the, you believe that you wanted to die, but obviously something beyond you, your spirit perhaps said, no, you have to, you have to keep on going. So how can we separate ourselves from the spirit and from our wants, from the brain's wants to the soul's, you know, need and calling? I think we are never upset over what is happening I think we're grieving over what is not happening. And I was getting up in the morning, realizing that my parents are not coming back. Reality hit me mm. that I, I, I didn't have anything to live for. I didn't have any meaning in, in my life. Uh, I was just in a vacuum and I had nothing to look forward to. And that's when I became suicidal. Mm. And I think when you're suicidal, you either have something what you don't want or you want something what you don't have. Mm. That's the way I look at suicide in a very simple, primitive way. Mm. What was the... So, you, you know, you, you were lying there and you felt like you had no meaning and purpose. What was the first step to make you believe that there was something more for you to do? I think, I think the first thing was for me to give up the need for revenge. Mm. And I was moving towards uh, the stages of grief. And you cannot really forgive until you go through the rage. You know, I don't cover garlic with chocolate. Uh, so I... I, I went through a period, and I'm still going through it, I'm not done with it, that I look for a gift in everything. Mm -hmm. And I am looking at uh, um, the stages of grief, that it's okay to be angry. The question is how not to hold on to it, because you can get addicted to anger. And then I don't live in a present, then I'm still living in the past. And I cannot, I have to accept the fact that there is one thing I cannot change is the past. Mm. So I, I live in a present and I think young. I go dancing, but I go dancing, swing dancing, not like you. <laughs> Teach us about confidence. What, what do you have to share with the, the, the listeners about confidence? 
I think I developed a part in me in Auschwitz that no matter what happens, I will get out of here. I was never ever considering that I'm not going to get out of there. Mm. I was thinking always about tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow was my my best best friend. Uh, tomorrow I will get out of here. Tomorrow I'm gonna see my boyfriend. Tomorrow I'm gonna show him my eyes and my hands because he told me I I have beautiful eyes and hands. So I I kept hope uh, in hopelessness alive. Do you think it was? Do you think it was that love that that brought you through? Like you, I think it was it was the way I was thinking that really created my feelings. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, that's very important uh, for me to tell you that what you think that's how you're gonna feel. Mm. Your your feelings come from your thoughts. You've met some amazing people um, over the last 90 years, but in particular, um, over the last couple of decades, including Viktor Frankl uh, previously to that, and, you know, Dr. Philip Zombardo. Tell us about, and I'm sure a, a huge roster of, of, of others, can you share what it was like to meet uh, Viktor Frankl? Viktor Frankl has really been the one that gave me the permission to talk about my my experience in Auschwitz. Mm. I, I, I didn't have the verbal capacity until I read Man's Search for Meaning. And I actually wrote him a letter thanking him and he wrote me back. Mm. And we met in San Diego and I became a diplomat in logotherapy. Mm. You know, and that's about finding purpose, meaning is the existential approach to psychotherapy. Mm. Yeah, and it is very philosophical how you find meaning and purpose that you are living for something. And I am living for hopefully people uniting and forming a human family that's my goal to and see to it that your children and grandchildren will never ever experience what i did mm. for this is a gift that you go and give to yourself mm. it's a gift. what about the process for teach, tell us about writing the book The process of writing the book. The process of writing is is a very difficult and very complicated and very emotional experience because it triggers feelings in you Mm. that that you ran away from, that you fought it, fought it, ran from it, and now you have to face it. So it's really grieving and feeling and healing and you cannot heal what you don't feel so don't medicate feelings don't medicate grief it's not depression don't call it depression it's unresolved grief 
and grief is not an illness and must not be medicated. Hmm. Yes, be very careful not to pathologize. You have to demythologize that there is no perfect family, there is no perfect life, there is no perfect human being, and accept the fact that you're human, you're fallible, you're going to make mistakes, and give up any kind of perfectionism. And also give up the need to please everyone, and also give up the need for other people's approval. Mm. That's helpful. Mm. That's useful. How can one do that? Just think about your thinking. That's how. Mm. Every day, write down how many times you said should and get rid of that word. Mm. You should, you have to, you must. The, the, the have to's are things without which we cannot survive. You don't have to buy a birthday present to your mother, but you have to breathe. You mm. know, the have to's are things without which we have to breathe, we have to eliminate, we have to sleep. After three days, we hallucinate, and eventually you have to eat. I know I didn't get food at least two weeks, and I'm here to tell you about it. And today, when I don't have breakfast, I think, you know, <laughs> the world is over. It's, it's, you know, we are much stronger than we think we are. Well, that's what I was thinking the other day, right? I was thinking about, you know, I was, I was hungry. And I think, have I really ever experienced hunger? Like, I, it's, it definitely hasn't been. And I know, you're, I know this isn't a comparison. Um, but I know I've never had, not had food for more than, you know, 24 to, to 40 hours. I think it's... I think it is easy though to get caught inside of a comparison trap of suffering, but you're very big on, you know, not, not choosing comparison and choosing instead to draw strength from the pain that you've been through. I tell people don't call me shrink, call me stretch. And I think that uh, uh, when you hungry, you want to know, whether you're hungry for affection, attention, approval of others, you know, what, are you physically hungry or are you hungry uh, for something that food will never, you know, people who eat too much, many times they eat their anger. They're not really very, very honest about uh, their feelings and food becomes uh, a way to medicate feelings. Mm. Mm -hmm. And this is part of and your work? In excess, that becomes an addiction. Mm. And part of, I mean, is your work now predominantly promoting the book, doing interviews like this or, and dancing, or are you still, uh, are you still customer fate? Like, do you still do client appointments and still practice psychology? I do all of that. I think it's good to have a balance by working, loving, and playing. To be childlike, but mm. not childish. When you're childish, you use a language like I want, 
I need, I gotta have, you're not gonna make me, I'm not gonna, you got to give that up. But childlike, that's where good sex comes from. <laughs> when you think pleasure, yes, not pain, when you are able to give yourself permission to feel any feelings without the fear of being judged or judge others. Mm. You know, give up the need to criticize and say yes, but. Give me the but and I give you and. Yes, and furthermore, you know, I like to move and pick an arrow and follow from darkness to light and from uh, anything that happens to you mm. to freedom. Yes, it's good for you to become your own parent, be a good mommy to you. Mm. What do you feel like you still need to do on this planet? I, I cannot want anything for anybody else. I think people don't realize that you cannot want anything for someone else. You can only want something for you. And that's why I encourage people to say, I feel and I think and I would like, rather than I want you to, I want him to. You, that's bad English. You can't want something for someone else mm. unless they are ready. And people are not ready many times until they are really at the bottom. Mm. How do you know when you're at the bottom? I think you know that pain when you when you did everything you could possible and you don't have any any more coping skills left mm. you know, there is no such thing as nervous breakdown your nerves don't break but your coping skills are all used up mm. when you feel that terrible helplessness and powerlessness and nothingness yeah you know that it's mm. in your when i coach my clients and talk with them and help them through their problems i often find that they're the ones that inspire me and it's funny because they think that i inspire them but it's actually the other way around do you find the same thing i think the most obnoxious person is your best teacher what you don't like in others, you find that in you, and mm. they really, you thank them for that. Yes, yes. I think it's important to really listen to what people are telling you because they're really talking about themselves. Mm. So not to take things personally is mm. number one. Number one choice, not to allow other people to put you down nobody can put you down but you you mentioned before that part of the best, the best english word is four letters you know what it is risk mm. risk ask for what you want doesn't mean you're gonna get it but at least you find out where you stand with that person mm. you mentioned before that part of part of living a great life and part of working through your pain is to think about thinking. How can, how can you not fall into the trap of overthinking? 
I don't know, honey. I, I, I am uh, not so well adjusted. <laughs> I am still in a process of trying to find the balance between working and loving and playing, and uh, and what I have to do and what I want to do. Um, I'm still struggling with that. Mm. And it's just the human condition, especially if you have a three-digit IQ. If you don't, your life is much simpler. <laughs> you just eat your food, you go to bed, you get up in the morning, you, you put this over there, yeah. 20 times a day and you're done. Yeah. So the higher your IQ, the more frustration you're going to get. Yeah. Because you can think of many things all at once. That's definitely that's definitely true. You a lot of the time you find someone who's really smart finds themselves in a lot of cases more from my experience what I've seen like more unhappy, more unfulfilled because yeah. they keep thinking that they should be a certain way because they are smart and they're thinking so much. Your expectations. Yeah. Everything. You never get angry if you expect less and you get more. But when you get expect more and you get less so you have to really be very very careful about your expectations it's all about your expectations hmm. it's not what is happening makes you feel the way you feel it's the way you expected more than you're getting hmm. so be, a, be be realistic rather than idealistic who have been your biggest mentors and the biggest inspirations upon your life? Well, I think I like many people who are, who are people like Eleanor Roosevelt. Uh, I love her because she was not ever thinking of herself as a victim. Even though her husband, whatever he did, she had her own life, she had her own goals, she stood for something, uh, and I, uh, she wasn't depending on somebody to make her happy. I like that. Mm. The more you wait for someone to make you happy, you're never going to be happy. But you're born with love and you're born with joy, and I think you can really practice that rather than waiting something to come from the outside mm. because that causes dependency and dependency can breed depression. What's your first step? If someone is, if someone comes to you or someone's listening and they're feeling depressed or they're feeling like a victim um, and they've started to, this podcast has helped them switch that mind and they say, look, I need to start taking some responsibility and I want to work through this. What's a great first step that we can recommend? I think it's very important to have ownership and you sit down and you just say to yourself, I have a feeling and don't judge it. It's not bad or good or right or wrong. I have a feeling. Hmm. Okay. I want to kill someone right now. That doesn't mean I'm going to act upon it. Mm. See? Take back your powers to feel any feelings without the fear of, of being judged or judging other people. 
Don't judge a feeling. Give yourself permission to feel the feeling. And you decide how long you're going to hold on to that feeling. And when you're going to release that feeling. My definition of love is the ability to let go. The ability to let go. Hmm. Let go of the need for other people's approval. Let go of the need to be seen a certain way. Letting go, I think it's a good way to really read my book and sit down and see where you are with your own life right now, what is missing for you, and what is what you would truly like to have more of or less of. Put things on a scale. So you have a good balance. And the more you depend on other people, the more depressed you're going to be. So don't call it depression so fast. Just say, I am uh, missing something or I'm grieving over something. Mm. But don't pathologize so quickly. Mm. Yeah, don't give yourself a diagnosis. Because then you're not really thinking of yourself as being a person of strength you think you are powerless mm. and you're not powerless you have the power to choose your thinking your feelings and your behavior because you give the power, you, power. yeah give you're giving power to depression you're I, I am depressed or i have this or this is now part of me yeah well 40 percent of us is uh, due to our uh, genes, is genetic. Mm. But the attitude that I choose towards it, I have that. So there is, there is genes and there is the environment and there is that third dimension, the manner in which I choose to look at the other two. Mm. I have and that. And that's what I love about, you know, inside of the book, which I've got here and inside of it, there's certain parts where I will write in the, in the margins and I've written, um, there's one part I remember where you first noticed, um, a psychologist, I believe, and he was practicing psychology and you said to yourself, why couldn't I do this? And that was just so inspirational to me because I, I wrote in the margins, why couldn't I do this? So it's like this flow on effect. And then hopefully anyone listening to this can then get that same, you know, why can't I do this or whatever they want to do um, and get that same sort of attitude. Well, there'll never be another you. So I may do what you can do, but not the way you can do it. Because I'm unique, I'm one of a kind. I'm not Viktor Frankl but my book definitely is a female voice, mm. uh, but I'm not him, I'm me, mm. you see? And I'm a female and he's a male. We get different messages when we grow up in the morning, mm. uh, morning in, in our childhood. Mm. You, you get a message to become somebody and I get a message to find somebody. Mm. Because you're nobody until somebody loves you, you see? So, we girls are not really encouraged to be professional. 
but to be wives and mothers mm. and baking cookies mm. while the husband goes to work. But that traditional marriage right now is something most people cannot afford to have one one income family. Mm. You mm. have perhaps two people going to work every morning. My children have been working moms always. And their husbands are professionals, mm. you know, they're professors. And I could not afford to just have a one income family. Mm. So I think it's good for girls to become professional and to be able to have financial and emotional independence before they get married to someone who is financially and emotionally also independent. Mm. Two whole people rather than two halves. Mm. You mentioned you mentioned throughout that you stand for something and, jo- and joy and love and sharing. What is something that you've previously stood for that has changed in the last five years? I uh, I think as I grow older, the more I I. Uh, allow to be the real me, not the image of me, that I'm the same off stage than on stage, that, uh, that I don't have a false self. I, I have my, my, my true self, my genuine self. And I think that's very good to reclaim because we usually give it up in our family when we become uh, maybe mommy's uh, uh, confidant or daddy's uh, little angel um, to reclaim your genuine self. That is, I think, a wonderful feeling mm. that you just be you and be a good parent to you. Mm. That if someone tells me I need you, if someone tells you, I need you, run. What about the, we, I guess the overall theme of this is, is to be your true authentic self and to stop allowing, other, stop allowing yourself to allow others to dictate how you should feel. So stopping from the judgment of others, trying to alleviate the judgment of others. Do you find that's that would be, from my experience, the number one problem is this feeling and something I've been through and, and still constantly find myself working on as a work in progress myself. But having that need to be liked, having that need to want to have people care, like caring what other people think. I mean, that seems to be that seems to be the number one problem in today's society. And maybe that's my perceptual lens. But why do you think it is? Why do you think so many people care what other people think now? Has it always been that way? I don't know. The word like always or never, to me, those words mean nothing because it's uh, always, never. 
I don't know what to do with those words always and never. Um, I, uh, some of the times, some of the people, you know, I, I like to have a little more specificity rather than you always, you never. Mm. I, I give up those words. Mm. But I think blaming is only for children. And while you blame, I'm this way because, because you did this or you did that. Only children blame. I don't care how old they are. I think self-responsibility is number one, that you own your feelings. Hmm. Yes. Yes. So how can... You have ownership. Hmm. How are you going to feel and how long are you going to hold on to that feeling? And when are you going to release that feeling? And you cannot release a feeling unless you replace it with something else. Tell us about that. You not can't let go of something for nothing. So you give up the need for approval and you replace it with accepting people the way they are. Mm. Because you're never going to change another person mm. unless they are ready. Mm. They're not going to listen to me unless they are ready. Mm. I cannot make them want to do anything. We mm. have to recognize that we, we give up our power for other people to be the way we want them to be. We don't have that power. Mm. But hopefully you can have something good to say mm. that become curious and they want to hear a little more mm. curiosity is wonderful mm. that's what saved my life even in our faith curiosity mm. what Me, are you curious about now eight-year-old. eight-year-olds are very curious because the the mind is developing the, mm. the part that you really want to know more and uh, more logical things. So be like an eight-year-old. As you get older then, does that create, does that evoke more feelings of curiosity? I think, I think when you're curious, you ask questions of people. You, uh, you're not waiting for the world to come to you. You want to take your position in in the family of of the world where only you are one of a kind. Mm. There never ever be another you. See? Mm. And and cherish that. Mm. Cherish that. Cherish. Cherish your specialness. Mm. Your preciousness. Your one of a kindness, your authenticity. Cherish that every day. Find all the things that's good about you. Stop mm. criticizing. No more yes, but, yes, and. Furthermore, that you're moving forward. Mm. So removing but and adding and. So what? Yes, and. Yes, and instead of yes, but. 
Because maybe you were a little boy and your mother told you, you're a very handsome little boy, but you're a little fat and but you're a little, a little pimply and then you don't hear what said before the but. When you say but, you cancel everything you said before the but. Mm. Mm. So we only concentrate on everything afterwards. Don't say, yes, but you need to lose weight. Yes, but you're uh, this or that. Um, yes, but I wish you had blue eyes. No, I'm never going to have blue eyes and you better be okay with that. Mm. Well, there's a, what is the, the cause of all human suffering is attempting to attain that which is unattainable. Uh, I think uh, you just said that that uh, we're expecting people to be what they're not. Mm. We, we can love, but there is no love without hate. There is no summer without winter. You know, if you come here and go to New York and you see the trees all, all, all barren, and then pretty soon there is spring, you know, I think something has to die. My parents have to die so I can be here with you today and honoring them and hopefully doing everything in my power so that would never happen again. Mm, mm. I, don't, I, I know I don't run from it. I don't fight it. I'm hoping to make a difference even no matter how minute it is. But when I am in my deathbed, I'm going to feel good that I did what I knew humanly possible mm. to do something preventively is to open up communications. Mm. Open up communications with the Nazis and the Jews and open up with the blacks and the, everybody with every color of the world. Let them know each other, give them a project so nobody is going to really get into uh, to thinking that they're better than anybody else. Mm. I'm not I'm more than human or less than human. I'm human. Mm. Just one accept level. Yourself, accept yourself and continue, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself. It's beautifully said that begin with you. Everything begins and ends with you. So if you want to save the world, save yourself. Mm. You are the world, you know. You are the world. I am the world. I do every morning uh, uh, a way to start the day, hopefully, that I can be useful to people. Mm. I like to be useful. You've said that the the book was an, a major healing tool for you. I love that. Like it was right at the end in the afterword. It mentioned, you know, this has been a, a transformative healing tool for me. What, what are some other tools that you're currently using to assist and aid in that healing process? Anything that comes up that promotes feelings, I stop everything and allow myself to feel that feeling and decide how long will I hold on to that feeling that I do not run anymore, 
I, from the past that I embrace it and also give myself permission to feel the feeling that is being triggered at this moment without judging any feelings. Mm. Yeah, I don't have to love everyone all the time. No. Somebody made chicken soup the other day for me and they put in parsnips. You know, I hate parsnips. <laughs> I won't touch a parsnip because once in a while in a concentration camp, I mean, maybe one or twice ever, we got a little parsnip in a concentration camp. And I don't touch parsnips. I don't have to love everything, of mm. everyone. Mm. And there are people I'd like to stay away from, people who are always finding a way to not have ownership of their own feelings. They're blamers. Mm. You know, if you, if you criticize all the time, uh, you're not building anything. Mm. So see how we can unite rather than separate and get rid of the us and them mentality. Mm. The enemy is me. Hmm. So find the Hitler in you. Hmm. Is there. And so is the goodness. And I met Mother Teresa twice. And she said, God only give us things that we can handle. And then she looked up and said, God, why do you love me so much? <laughs> so... Sometimes we get more than our share. Mm. Mm. You just accept that. Mm. Lastly, just to finish off, what's the one message? I mean, there's so many takeaways inside this own pod, inside of this podcast and interview that has been just amazing. Are there any final words for this interview that you want to share with the young people? around the world that, uh, that you wish you could, there's a voice and a platform here, so what would you best love to say to them? I will tell, tell them that they are the future, they are the ambassadors for peace and goodwill, that I count on them, and I hope to be a good role model to them, that they are going to build a world that will never, ever, ever experience what I did. I counting, I'm counting on them. They are the future. I have a lot of faith in them. And when people start criticizing the young people, I think they need to look at themselves and uh, give the young people all the support that we can. It's, that's, that's the way I see myself to really hopefully um, see that they are staying in school, that they take life seriously, and that they're going to, to get their PhD or to see in what way they find meaning and purpose in their own lives to build a better future and unite us and form a human family. 
I'm counting on them and I love them very much. Mm. And I'm asking parents not to say yes but to their to their children, but to be there to really allow them to have a place where they could feel any feelings and never being judged. Yes. Mm. I like to talk to parents actually, mm. not to role models. Because children don't do what we say. They do what they see. Hmm. I don't just talk to you now and then go and get drunk. You see, mm. I, I am where I am and what I am. And I'm continuously be very, 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 hopefully, a good role model mm. for the young. Mm. Mm-hmm. Incredible and inspirational, and I appreciate um, your time, Edie and Katie. I, thank you for setting it up. Of course. Thank you. God bless you. Take care. I love, I love Australia. My sister was a violinist with the Sydney Symphony, and so I know the opera house inside out. Oh, I went to rehearsals with her, and, I, and she put me in a Queen's Lodge to watch Romeo and Juliet wow. at uh, the Sydney Opera House. So I, I love Australia. And I hope you get to come to America and give you a hug. Thank you so much. I, w- I, would, uh, I would love that. And if you were ever in uh, the land down under, then the, uh, the offer is certainly there as well. I will. I definitely keep that in mind. You may be surprised. Thanks, Edie. Thanks, Katie. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Growth Minded Daycast. Don't forget to leave a review for this podcast. It really helps, as well as sharing a screenshot on your social media and tagging me at Hayden Wright's Stuff. If you are a man who is currently struggling with meaning, purpose, and direction inside of his life, head over to realmanmvmt, which is realmanmovement.com, and pick up your free training right now.